The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. This is Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. And we're going to get into all kinds of gun stuff today because there's lots of it going on today. So as you heard Victor talk about on his show, the mass shooting that was stopped by an armed citizen in an Indiana mall. Now, this is interesting because the mall has a clear policy that does not allow guns on their property. So obviously they could cause trouble for the shooter who stopped somebody with a semi-automatic rifle, several magazines of ammunition, just walked into the food cart and started shooting. And they might as well, uh, in my opinion, shut their doors at that point. You would think the people, I mean... No, no, no. What I'm talking about, if they go against the, the guy that saved all the lives... Right, right. They might as well shut their doors because the public will say, I'm not shopping there anymore. They should. But there's too many people, unfortunately, in too many states that don't believe in the constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Too many people believe, oh, no, that's what the police are for. We don't need that right. We don't need to have a gun. Only the police and the military should have guns. Yeah, there's a place just like that. Nazi Germany was just like that. Every prison in America is just like that. They'll provide for everything you need, but you're not allowed to have any kind of weapons, but the police there have the weapons. There are socialist countries who run their countries just like this. But America is not one of those socialist countries. We have it spelled out clear as day. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, that leads me to – how about this, David? Can they restrict constitutional rights on private property? Are constitutional rights no longer applicable on private property? No. Can I dis- can I discriminate against somebody based on race or gender on private property? Because hey, it's no. my private property. I could could I put a sign outside that says no Asians allowed in my mall because it's private property? No, we've already constitutionally, or the Supreme Court has already ruled against that. So how can they decide that I cannot exercise my federally guaranteed right to keep and bear arms? Just because it's private property, I don't think they can. Yeah, well, I think this is. I think this will be settled again in the Supreme Court, possibly. I hope so. I mean, I understand public transportation, airplanes, things like that. They need a little bit more restriction, perhaps, or need to check people a little more carefully. But if you get a national carry permit with a full federal background check to the nth degree where you could basically get top secret clearance or secret clearance, then you should be allowed to carry your weapon anywhere, is my thoughts. But, you know, I mean, but even so. But in a just because it's private property, does that mean all federal rights are suspended? You know, I, I go back to what you and I have talked about in the past, is not only the federal check, but uh, you, you brought up a... An interesting point about carrying a, a weapon on a plane. Right. And uh, you get somebody that's not well-trained 
and they put a bullet through a window, <laughs> a window <laughs> for a fuselage. And, <laughs> and what's the big sucking sound you hear? That's right. Yeah, that's you know it and requires I, a lot of extra training to be in a situation like that. Yeah, and you know, quite frankly, uh, personally, I would feel uncomfortable carrying on a plane, even though. I assume I would have the right to, and probably more so than a lot of folks. That that but, would be the thing. That extra training would have to be it would have to be implemented for that to become a, a reality, yeah. perhaps. But you know, it's just because it's you know private property. Uh, your home's private property, right? Exactly. And uh, now. I, there's an article I found. This is interesting. What if your home is a place that's leased to you by a company like apartments or house leasing? If you're leasing a house or renting a house or an apartment from somebody, do they have the right to suspend your Second Amendment rights? Well, I tell you what. <laughs> all, all of these questions that you're asking are – and this will probably uh, upset your good friend – who's a good friend of mine as well at this point, but still, he's one of them. All of these questions that you're asking is because of lawyers. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. uh, and the greed that the lawyers have. Let's make a fight out of it, you know? Well, let's, yeah, that's their job. They argue things. Yeah, and they do. And that's, uh, you know, they're looking for any T that's not crossed or any I that's not dotted. And, but, and you know, uh, because you rent your house, I'm going to come back on the guy that owns the house because you're renting it from me. And he should have checked you out better before he let right, you rent the house. Before he lets you have a gun in there. But can, I, it just comes down to a matter of can do private property rights suspend federally Guaranteed rights, like can an apartment owner decide? Oh, I don't want to rent to anybody of color, or I don't want to rent to any males, or I don't want to rent to any females. I, you know, that was supposedly already settled, and federal law prevails over private property rights in those cases. But why doesn't why don't why don't federal law resi- preside over private property rights when it comes to constitutionally guaranteed rights? Apparently, that's still in contention, and there's still argument about this. And I don't know where the answer is. I mean, I would think that a private company cannot just decide to suspend your rights, no matter what rights they are, because they own the property that you're in. That property is still in the United States and has to be governed by United States law. You know, it's sort of like with... COVID and getting as carried away as we did with that. You know, where where is the owner of the apartment? Oh, my God. You have COVID and you could give it to the whole apartment complex. So we're going to lock you in your apartment or we're going to put you in a different place so you won't. Or I'm not going to rent an apartment to anybody who's ever had any COVID antibodies at all. You have to have a test showing you've been either fully vaccinated or you have, you know, no COVID antibodies. You've never had COVID. Whether you survived it or not, you've never had it. And you have all the vaccines saying that you'll prevent it. Would that be legal to prove that? Could they do that for anything? Could you say, well, I have to show that you've had a vasectomy to live here because there are women who live here. We want to protect them. Yeah. 
Or could we say the women? Okay, you have to be made infertile because there are men who live here. We don't want you to get pregnant. We don't allow any kids in this building. How about that? I mean, there are so many things that have already been settled, and you figure the Second Amendment to the Constitution would be one that should have been settled by now, and it should not be a point of contention or discussion in any matter of whether this right applies on private property. And far too many companies have made it their goal to try and limit your constitutional right to have a weapon to defend yourself. Now, there are places now that are starting to look at potential lawsuits for those who limit the ability to carry, saying, if anything happens to me on that property because I did not have my weapon with me or if anybody threatens me, harms me, or does anything where my weapon would have protected me, you are held completely and solely responsible for it, for anything that happens based on the fact you did not allow me to carry my weapon with me. So that would be one way to get these companies off this anti-Second Amendment bandwagon and say, okay, you don't want people to carry a gun, then you're responsible for their safety 100%. If they so much as, you know, get punched in the stomach or, you know, someone tries to rob them, you're responsible for any damage they have, physical, monetary, uh, psychological. You're responsible for all that damage because they were not allowed to defend themselves with a weapon based on your property rules. I can't recall, but isn't there a, a ongoing case right now? I think. I'm not sure. Uh Something happening in a parking lot. Right, right. You had mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. We talked about that at one point where they were suing the company or the people who own the parking lot because they didn't provide adequate security. But now, you know, it's if they had no restrictions, excuse me, against you providing your own security and the means of carrying your own weapon, then, you know, it's kind of your responsibility to take care of yourself, I believe. Now, if they take that ability away from you, that means they should shoulder the entire responsibility of taking care of you, providing for your safety, if they don't allow you to do it. So, you know, that's something that's going to have to come up eventually. There's there's too many infringements on the Second Amendment already. I started in 1934 where they put extra taxes on certain weapons and certain accessories for weapons, and then it just expanded on there from, I think it was... uh through the 80s and 90s when they passed the Hughes Act, they passed the uh, foreign rifle ban to not allow foreign certain foreign rifles to come into the country and certain pistols under a certain size to come into the country, that all these restrictions on weapons, even though the Second Amendment clearly states, shall not be infringed. I just wonder, you know, I just want to put it to people, say, think of this in terms of other rights that you have. And say, what if private property could suspend all these other rights at will and decide they don't want to honor any of the constitutional rights you have outs, you know, within their property bounds? Would they have that right? Could they do that? Apparently, it's been shown that they're not allowed to discriminate against people based on certain factors, but yet they can discriminate against your ability to exercise your constitutional rights in other areas. It's just, it's vague, it's, it's selective, it's not equality under the law. That's the biggest problem we're going to run into, I think, in the next, if we make it another 50 years, is going to be states' rights versus federal law versus individual rights and federal law. Because right now, all these states are ignoring federal law. They're allowing border crossers to get driver's licenses and get benefits 
even though they are not citizens. Now, I don't know if the federal government allows illegals to get benefits. I believe they do. They provide for that as well. So they're giving illegal aliens federal benefits, even though they're not even citizens. So we're just providing for anybody who's willing to walk in with their hand out and give them something. It seems ridiculous to me. And then they have the marijuana laws, which, you know, it is still, marijuana is still a controlled substance by federal law, but yet more and more states are decriminalizing it, making it, I don't know if they call it legal, but it's not illegal anymore. I don't know. They, uh, I had somebody tell me it's not really legal in any state because the federal law trumps state law. And they say it's illegal. In fact, that was an issue. On the form you fill out to buy a weapon, there's a question about if you're a a drug user of any type. And it says, even if you have a medical marijuana card or medical, you know, excuse, you still have to put that you're a marijuana user and you are not allowed to purchase a weapon if you check that box with a yes. And eventually that's, I mean, somehow that's going to have to come up because in some states it's legal. So you're making those citizens unable to purchase a weapon because of their exercising their rights within that state. But these states are violating federal law by allowing it to be decriminalized. Now, could federal agents go in there and enforce the law wherever they wanted? Could they shut down every dispensary in the United States based on federal law? Could the DEA go in and shut all these places down? It's, you know, it, theoretically they could, but they're not going to because they're selectively enforcing the law. And I think they really need to get on that and change it. You know, if you're going to not enforce it, then go ahead and change it. Make it legal. You know, it's, if you want to do whatever you want to, whatever drugs you want to do in your own home or your own yard or whatever, that's fine. Do what you want to do. As long as you're not blowing smoke all over somebody. Now, most places don't allow smoking of anything in public places anymore. A lot of cities and counties have made that illegal. Is that a right that you have? I say fine. You have the right to suck all the smoke into your lungs you want. But the minute you blow it out on somebody else, you're violating their rights to breathe clean air. So that's one of those lines that would have to be determined, would have to be distinguished, and would have to be put to a test. And I think if you're infringing on somebody else's rights, then your rights stop there. That's where you run into a problem. That's where the law comes in and decides who has the right to do what and who has the right not to do what. If the smoke is so good, just keep it in. Don't blow it out all over everybody else. And see, Just well, blow people, up. <laughs> yeah. Well, people are allowed to drink. I go, yeah, when you drink, you take it in, you swallow it. You don't blow it out all over, all over everybody. Do you imagine going into a bar and just blowing your drink out all over everybody? <laughs> How long do you think that would last for? Yeah, not very long at all. Trust me. But, you know, and smoking is one of those things that if it didn't, I mean, if you can smoke without offending anybody else or without infringing on anybody else's rights, by all means. You know, if you want to take a pill or drink something down that gives you the same effect, that's fine. But when you start blowing it out all over everybody else in public, that's where I have a problem. You know, now a lot of places will have places outside to go smoke. And if you want to be there, that's your choice. Even the airport has a smoking area. And I assume they have heavy filters and fans to keep all that stuff from getting outside of that that one little area. But it's kind of funny. if I've seen one of these in the airport, and it's a big glass room where you can just see it's filled with smoke. And there's everybody in there smoking. It's kind of funny. But, you know, it's one of those things where you have a line that has to be crossed before they decide whether or not it's going to be legal. And same thing with the guns, though. But the guns, you carry a gun to protect yourself. It doesn't infringe on anybody else's rights 
to become a victim or do whatever they want to do. That's their problem. And here in the mall shooting in Indiana, the guy stopped a potential mass shooting. This could have so easily been way worse than it was if it wasn't stopped. And he was violating the mall's policy of not having guns in there. Now, what if it had gone wrong and he had shot and missed, hit somebody else? Would they have prosecuted him for it? Would they have? I mean, obviously, every bullet that you fire has a lawyer attached to it, especially in a self-defense situation or in an attempt to stop somebody from doing harm. Even police officers, they hit an innocent bystander, they're held responsible for that. Just like when you blow smoke out on somebody, you're responsible for that. Same thing with bullets. You spray them out on other people who don't deserve to get shot, you're responsible. I'm curious. Do you know in the article that you read about it, and I really haven't read anything about it, but did he confront the shooter or did he just shoot him in the back? From a distance, I don't know. Let's see if it says that. Yeah, they said they saw people running. I don't know. I, I, I was running late today, and you get a chance to read a whole lot about it. And they, a lot of the information is not available yet either because it was done pretty quickly. But a 22-year-old had a legal gun permit, and he shot the man who was carrying a rifle into the mall to, and started shooting people. So he shot the guy, and apparently there, he didn't hit anybody else, though. He didn't harm anybody else during the procedure of shooting anybody. So... I don't know what the position was, where he was, whether he confronted him or just shot him from a distance to put him down because he saw him shooting other people. In any case, everybody in that mall should be extremely grateful to this guy and realize that this is what you need when you don't have police everywhere. I'm not knocking the police. They can't be everywhere. We don't have enough of them. Not everybody can have their own personal cop they carry around with them. First of all, they're kind of heavy. <laughs> Secondly, there's just not enough of them, and we can't afford that. Now, if you're a Bloomberg or a uh, Pelosi, Pelosi, you have your own armed bodyguards 24-7 because you're important. The I, I asked Victor this, and uh, we'll see how good you are. Do you know where the first mall shooting was? I know there was one in Georgia back at Perimeter Mall probably 30 years ago or so, 40 years ago. Is that one of the first ones? Yep. Yeah, they said it was a mental patient who had been, I guess, um, let free from his, uh, his institution, and he came into the mall and had a pistol. I think it was a revolver, and he started shooting people, just stood there in the food court and started shooting people. And then he stopped to reload, and they said he wasn't panicked, he wasn't rushing. And when he stopped to reload, someone walked up to him and started talking to him and talked him down, basically. And they found out later he was mentally disturbed, and they, you know, he still probably should have been in the institution, but they let him go. And I think he was probably figuring, this is one way to get sent back. (laughs) Yeah, I, that's that was forever ago. God, that was decades ago that happened. I didn't know that was one of the first mall shootings. That was in the food court. Yep, in a food court. Well, because that's where people tend to con- congregate. Of course, you could walk into a store, but people are very scattered throughout the store, and there's a lot more places to hide and cover your, yourself if you're in a store. In the food court, everything's pretty wide open. And if you're running, you're still an easy target. You know, it's a lot harder to find cover or concealment without start flipping tables up and down. But, yeah, I remember that story because they, they said he was not angry or he wasn't upset. He was just walked in and started shooting people. And if I remember, he killed a few people. Yeah, I uh, <coughs> had an artist that uh, his brother was killed. Yeah, and I think okay. he reloaded at least once. And on his third time or something, when he went to reload again, somebody stopped him. 
I'd have to get all the details in that to be sure, but I know he was firing for quite a while. I don't remember all the details either, but uh, that's oh, so Georgia, one of the first mall shootings. Oh, mm-hmm. great! <laughs> and Stacey Abrams has the answer because she hates Georgia and she's going to defund the police. So, well, yeah, for Brian Kemp. There's a picture out there of her burning a Georgia flag. So, you know, anytime you want to look that up, it's out there. But now she wants to be governor of the state whose flag she was burning. And hates the state. That yeah. The oh, we're a terrible state. state. We're backwards. We're the worst ever. But I want to be the governor to make it better. Yeah. Why don't you go be governor of a state that you already like? That would be better. It's like the the girl who's held in Russia. She wouldn't stand, She wouldn't attend a game until after the national anthem was played because she didn't want to be there during the playing of the national anthem during the Olympics. For her country, well, she said it wasn't her country because she didn't she didn't admire it, she didn't respect it, she didn't stand for the national anthem. She wasn't even in the same room when the national anthem was, play, was played, and now she's begging the U.S. to help her get out of Russia because she brought illegal drugs into a foreign country. I say you didn't respect your country before. Why should the country help you at all? Leave her. Yep. Or maybe you know. Now someone said we should offer a trade. We should trade LeBron for her, you know, because he's, you know, because he's of the same opinion. He doesn't like the national anthem either. So we could just trade him and get her back. And maybe she's young enough to be trained or be taught to respect her country or given an opportunity to regain respect for her country, possibly. But, you know, when you don't respect your country, how can you expect that country to come to your defense and help you when you've showed them no respect in the past whatsoever? I mean, I understand the national anthem is old. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have the same meaning perhaps when they play it a lot. But still, if you go for the Olympics, you're you're representing your country. At least have a little bit of pride. Hmm. You know, granted, is the United States perfect? Absolutely not. We have lots of issues. We have lots of problems. But you know what? If it's so great, how, if it's so terrible, how come everybody wants to come here and live the quote unquote American dream? Well, Joe Biden is kind of killing the American dream and turning it into the American nightmare. But we've had that opportunity. It's there. People are coming into the country in droves. We can't beat them out of here with a stick. They want to walk across a river, walk a thousand miles to come to the United States. There must be something good about this country. And granted, we have our problems, we have our issues, but I would venture to say we're better than any other country in the world when it comes to freedom and opportunity, especially the opportunity. There's so many other places in the world where systems exist that keep people who are not born into a certain class down below a certain level. There are ceilings there that they cannot get past because of their... Their fa- their family because of their family name their family history, um, the way they were brought up the area they lived in they can't get past a certain a certain level of success. The United States does not have that. Here you have the opportunity if you have the ability you have the opportunity to go as far as you possibly can, do as much as you possibly can, and that's what people in this country respect you and your ability to get things done, to do things, to invent things, to change things. You have that opportunity here. And this girl, I think her name is Brianna something, if I'm not mistaken, but she apparently didn't think the United States was that great, and she wanted to live somewhere else. Well, now she is living somewhere else. So we can she can let us know how it is to live in Russia, how that how that's working out for her. That's what I want to know. How's that going for you so far? 
Oh, the letters stay there forever, the rest of her life. You know, you remember the old saying, love it or leave it? Yeah, there you go. She she left, and she's not going back. You know, if she were to write a heartfelt apology for all the things she did that, you know, that led people to dislike her so much, that would be one step closer to maybe getting some sympathy from people who don't like her currently. But no, she didn't. All she said was, oh, this is just more discrimination in the United States because I'm a woman. If I was a man, I'd be, you know, they'd be working much harder to get me out of here. So instead of asking for forgiveness for all the disrespect she showed previously, she piles more on top of it to make more and more people dislike her. It's just, I don't understand her, her ideology, the way she thinks anything. You're you know, to- pardon me, I'm sorry. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, this this is flipping the subject on you. Uh, I was watching the news the other night, and I can't even. It had to be one or two channels, and uh, I can't tell you which one. And I'd hate to call one and be and wrong. have it be the other one. Yeah, but at the same token, it was the first time I've ever heard this, uh, and this came from. I don't really think it was just opinion. It, there was a lot of opinion in it. But they were doing a story on the gun sales in the United States and how they've gone through the roof and, you know, over the past couple of years. Oh, absolutely. Since, you know, since uh, 2020. Yeah, that they've gone through the, I mean, it's just incredible. And one of the announcers, and are they may have been interviewing someone and I I I shame myself for not taking notes and being more attentive obviously I didn't know what was coming next exactly so it, I didn't have right my, you weren't prepared for that yeah but they came out with that first time I've ever heard it we've said it here but I don't I've never heard it on national and that was the need for gun protection because of the way our society is going and that we're going to need to protect ourselves. People need to become their own first responders. Right. And that it's... uh I say that all the time. Well, we hear it, but we don't hear it on TV. Right, because yeah. most most liberal TV stations don't do anything to encourage people to protect themselves with guns. They don't because they don't believe any citizens should have guns. That's kind of what that amounts to. I mean, they literally stay on the liberal side of gun control almost all the time. There are very few mainstream media news outlets who support the right to keep and bear arms. And then going one step further in all of this discussion was the failure of our society and this one guest, and I, I think he was a retired general, but I wouldn't swear to it, um, came out and said that our problems, you know, he put his arms around it, and he said our problems are based on what we've talked about many times is what's coming down from the universities down to the high schools, down to the middle schools, down to the grade schools now, and that's the fact 
that we're not teaching civics. We're not teaching the importance of the flag. We're not teaching the importance of veterans. We're not teaching the importance of serving your country. Right, and they're not teaching the Constitution as it is written. As it is written. Victor was talking about it himself. They were actually changing the wording of the Second Amendment in textbooks to make people believe it was not worded how it was actually written. Or trying to interpret it as, oh, the military should have weapons. They're, they're confusing the word military and militia. Militia are armed citizens who, def- who can come to the aid of the state or the city or the county whenever called upon or whenever necessary. There's one state that said everybody over the age of 18 who has a clean criminal background is automatically put into a militia in that state. Now, granted, they don't have to do anything. They're just in the militia. So basically, they're guaranteeing the right of every citizen over 18 to own a weapon if they want to based on this twisted assessment that a militia is a military. All right, we're going to have to take a quick break. We'll be right back after a few messages. I am Roger B. You're listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on The Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Do you love classic and special interest cars? If so, listen to our podcast every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on America's Web Radio. Or find us on your favorite podcast site, iTunes, Spotify, or any of the others out there. We'll talk about classic cars. We'll talk to car guys. We'll talk to clubs that are here at our facility here in Classic Auto Mall. And we'll also talk about Classic Auto Mall and how we can help you sell your classic or special interest car. So give us a listen every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Thanks. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Right before we left, we were talking about the mall shooting. We were talking about rights. We were talking about about civics, teaching civics in school, people changing the Constitution and teaching it to kids differently. I mean, it's just there's so many things going on here that our countries have so many problems. Yes, we're the greatest country in the world, but we've got some great problems as well. And there are ways to fix them. One of the first things I think we need to do that would fix so many of our problem is make English the national language. And you're wondering, what's that going to do? We, uh, most everybody speaks English anyway. What that would do is make all forms, all applications for federal, <clears throat> all federal forms would be printed in English only. If you couldn't speak English or you didn't understand English, you would have to find somebody at your own expense, who could help interpret these forms for you? It would encourage people to assimilate. You know, if you want to be an American, then be an American. If you don't want to be an American, then don't come here except to visit. You want to visit, that's fine. You know, but if you want to bring your language and culture and everything with you, you can maintain it, but still learn English, learn American culture, 
And a lot of people who come here do this. They are proud to be Americans. So many immigrants every year get sworn in as citizens, and they are so proud of their new citizenship that they go all out in expressing it, and they and they take it to, to an extreme that a lot of born-here Americans don't do, which I admire tremendously. If you're willing to come here and you want to be an American, I will encourage that to the end of the to the end of time. But if you want to come here and want to bring everything with you from where you came and you don't want to be American at all, then that's where I have a problem. If your culture is so great and your country was so great, then why did you leave it? Why did you come here in the first place if you don't want to be an American? You know, or at least assimilate to some extent to go along with American ideals and American values, things like that. You know, I understand you don't have to do everything every American does, and I got that. You know, I understand that you want to maintain your identity, but still, if you come here to live, you need to live as an American. Australia actually did that with people. They were people coming from other religions who wanted them to bend to their ways, and Australia told them no. Well, this is Australia. This is the way we do things. If you want to live here, you do things the way we do things. We're not bending to your will. You will bend to ours if you want to stay here. And I understand we are accepting of a variety of different people from all over the world. We accept diversity. But you know what? There are certain times when if you want to restrict somebody else's rights, that's where I have a problem. You want to be of a religion where you don't eat pork or you pray three times a day or whatever it is you do, that's fine. Don't do it. But don't say that a store can't sell it because you shop at that store. That's not your place to limit somebody else's option. You know, that's that's a problem. If you want to sell things that offend other people, well, you know what? If it's legal in this country, then sell away. You know, if I'm offended by it, so be it. I, there's nothing in the Constitution that says I don't have the right to, to, to be offended. You know, the, <laughs> while you're extending this new law, which <laughs> I don't disagree with at all, I just hope you carry it into customer service. You know, I, I can't think of anything today that's more frustrating <laughs> to an old man like myself than when I need help. And in the fine, fine, small, 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 small print down in the bottom on the you know, in the middle of the page that you can't see anyway, they have your customer service number to call. Right. If you need help with this, be sure and call our customer service people. So you get somebody on the line, and at one time, you may or may not know the answer to this. I can't remember when, but there was a time that if you got someone you couldn't understand because it was a foreign language or whatever, you could ask, may I speak to someone that speaks English a bit Yeah, better. or your accent. I don't understand your accent. Yeah. You have someone without as heavy an accent. Yeah. And, and you could probably still ask for that. You may get it. You may not. Yeah. yeah you, generally but speaking, you don't. With, but with private companies, though, they, I mean, that's their, that's the, if that's the way they choose to run their business, you know, that's... American freedom extends to all all reaches, and if that's something, they, they have the freedom to do that if they want. Well, However, we have the freedom to vote with our wallets as well. That's right, <clears throat> and uh, we also have a right to uh, tell our neighbor XYZ company sucks. Yeah, absolutely. That's what, And it's funny because right now, probably more than any time in history – Consumers have more power with reviewing things, putting reviews online, 
you know, and giving information about companies and their experiences with these companies than they've ever had before. Before, you could just tell your neighbors, and that was one thing, but now you can go online and tell the whole world if you had a bad experience with a company or how they mistreated you or how their product didn't hold up. And a lot of people will read these reviews. Now, granted, with most reviews, you got to take them with a grain of salt because there's always somebody who's never going to be pleased with anything. Nothing is ever going to be good enough for them. However, if you consistently see problems with a particular product or customer service repeatedly, then obviously there's a problem there and you can take that when you make your decision to either purchase services or goods from anybody. You know, one thing that I see that's happening, and uh, to my knowledge, it's happening across the the field and across the country, is that many, many stores are becoming very private brand oriented. Right. And well. what... It's been my experience, and I'm sure it's been many other people's experience. The private brand starts out, one, it's almost like a lost leader. They they start out very inexpensive. Right. And initially are competitively taste-worthy, you know, or they're competitive right. with... Some what, are, some are not, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, they stay price-wise, or they might come up a little bit on price, but the quality of the product starts going down. I guess that's a fine balance they have to get between the quality and the price. They want to keep the price low, and they want to keep the quality high, but those are mutually exclusive sometimes. If you, as Especially right now with the inflation we're having right now, if you want to keep high quality, that price has got to go up. There's nowhere for it to go but up. And a lot of people will not know this, but a lot of times products that are private branded are made by the big companies. For sure. they got to be made by somebody. Right. Well, they're not being made strictly by that company for themselves. Like, in fact, Clark Howard was – he's a consumer – advocate here in Georgia. I think he has a na- he's a nationally syndicated show, but he was talking to one of the uh, big players in Costco, and he was talking to them about some of their private branded stuff, and a lot of it is made by big companies that you've heard of. Like their the uh, Costco brand batteries are made by Duracell. So that's something that you look at and go, well, do I pay for the Duracell brand or do I just buy the Costco ones and get virtually the same quality? <clears throat> Is they're obviously not going to put them on a different assembly line or change too much about how they're being constructed, you know. Well, my issue is mainly with foods, not right. with, with products as much as foods. And uh, and food's going to vary depending on the price of foods. Sure. And they want to maintain that lower price. So, you know. But I don't know what that has to do with guns other than uh, sometimes you feel like uh, <laughs> you got to take a shot at the product, you know. Yeah. And I, I guess that's what I just did was because I didn't name a brand, but uh, well, in guns, there's yeah. ammunition manufacturers that are sold under a variety of different names. You know, there are a few big manufacturers, and they sell under a variety of different names. If you know what they are, then you can buy equal quality products sometimes at a cheaper price. <clears throat> A lot of times the big manufacturers will market stuff under a cheaper price or a different or a more generic style of product. Now, sometimes it's as good as the their main product. Sometimes it's not as good. So there's, there's a lot of companies that will actually make cheaper products as far as ammunition goes. Well, I so. think, you know, unfortunately, because of the economy that we're in today, we're seeing a lot of things that we haven't seen before and 
corporations are, you know, that's what a corporation's for, to the bottom line. And uh, when they start giving in to the bottom line, then, like you said, something's got to give. Right. And, uh, well, there's a balance between quality and price. I mean, right. you want the best, you're going to have to pay for the best. But do you need the very best all the time? Sometimes with what you're going to do, like there are some tools I buy. Some tools I buy the very best because I know I'm going to need them forever and I want them to last. I never want to have them break down when I need them. Other tools, I'm like, you know what? If this lasts for a year, it should be more than enough. Sometimes I'm surprised and get really good quality stuff at discount prices. Other times I buy it and expect it to break down and it and it does, does exactly <laughs> what I expect. But I got oh. to use it the three or four times I needed it, and then I can throw it away after that and realize, you know, I didn't need it any more than that, so I wasn't going to pay five times the amount for the better one when it's just going to be sitting in the garage after that. Our classic <laughs> car guys have a saying, cheap is good when it comes if you're looking for, depending on what you're looking for. It can be good if you're looking for a uh, classic car that you want to rebuild and do everything to that the lower price you can get the better off you are but when it comes to tools cheap is not good no you want you want good tools or they'll come back to bite you at some point yeah and uh so there there are times that cheap is good and there are times that cheap isn't good and well, you have to know the time so right there there you are need like, to know when to hold them know when to fold them <laughs> that's right <laughs> But, uh, yeah, same thing applies to gun uh, gun accessories in particular. You know, you can go on Amazon and find the super cheap stuff that looks the same as the high-end stuff, but it's not going to hold up as well. It's not going to last. And especially when you're dealing with a weapon that you may be using for your own personal defense, do you want to take a chance on having anything other than something that's a known, reliable Brand. I mean, do you want ammunition that's been reloaded by Bubba somewhere down the street, you know, who does it in his spare time while he's watching old John Wayne movies? <laughs> Probably not. You want something. You've been looking in my windows. <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah, there are people who, you know, will cut corners everywhere, and that becomes a problem. You know, I knew a guy who had a uh, – Oh, I did it once. I bought an inexpensive rifle scope for a rifle I had, figuring, you know, it's not something I was going to use for self-defense. But I bought it, used it a couple times, and the recoil of the rifle just shook it to pieces. Now, granted, they took it back. They gave me another one, and it's still functioning. But still, just the fact that it died like that or was destroyed like that means I would not buy that brand on something that I depended on to be absolutely dead-on reliable. So that's something you have to check into too. There's an old expression that says, you know, if you buy, you buy expense, what is it? Buy right, you buy once, cry once. When you buy the right, when you buy the more expensive one, you buy, buy once, you cry once. If you buy the cheaper one, you buy it multiple times and you cry every time you have to do it. So, you know, do it right, buy once, cry once. Yeah, it's expensive, it's gonna cost more, but it should be a better, reliable brand. Now, sometimes you get lucky with the cheap stuff and it lasts better than you think it will. It happens. <clears throat> but know where to put that stuff and know where not to put that stuff. For recreational products, it's fine. You're not going to have as much of an issue. If your scope dies on your, you know, on your target shooting rifle, yeah, it may cost you a match, but it's not going to cost you your life if a, if a product was to die on your self-defense weapon. <clears throat> you know, what, what you're saying is, I just correlated that with that fits in so many other areas of our life. Yes, of course. Funding the police. If you 
fund them and you give them the equipment they need and, and the, the training support they need. and the training, then you got the best. Right, Same exactly. Same way with the military. And, you know, it, it's whether it's a product or people, it, it still holds true. Now, in the military, they put out bids, so whatever they're using is made by the lowest bidder. <laughs> <laughs> Now, granted, it has to meet very specific, uh, <clears throat> the specifications, the build specifications are very specific and very demanding in most cases. So even the cheapest one has to meet those criteria. And especially when they look for weapons, they undergo years of testing before they actually choose something new. <clears throat> so hopefully that's something that with the military and police, they're going to look at things very carefully before they, you know. What I was talking about is the police themselves. Yeah. The oh, yeah. Person. You, you hire somebody for you. You try and get a bargain price on a police officer. You're going to get a bargain price police officer. Exactly. You know, you're not going to have somebody who's got the training or the mental capacity or, or mental attitude that it's going to take to be the best. And that goes for the military as well. So Right, exactly. Now, in the military, they accept a lot more. But what you got to realize, too, is a lot of military jobs now are not specifically geared toward being on the ground fighting. You have computer guys who probably couldn't pass the physical test, but they are a whiz behind that computer keyboard. And they can do things. They can fly a drone upside down from a, a chair in their basement better than the, you know, the best physically conditioned soldier could because they've been doing it their whole lives it depends you know (laughs) if you're in the army everybody's in the infantry right you got to start there well you no matter where you are in the army you're still in the infantry that's your number one mos no matter what your mos is it may be uh computers it may be who knows what but right. But the guys yeah. who are in the computer field are not going to be as physically fit as the guys who are marching every day. Well, they're not going to be out fighting every day, no. But at the same token, uh, it's just an old saying that they're, you're always in the infantry. That's your first thing. Right. It? That's your first call. But, you know, it's uh, the military, as I mentioned on Victor's show, is, is way down on recruiting. And uh, <clears throat> it's a... If I were 50 years younger, <laughs> I would go back in and you, you couldn't stop me. I'd go back in on a heartbeat. If it had been like it is today for the military when I was in, I'd have never gotten out. I wouldn't even have thought of getting out. It's funny, though, uh, because when we have a president who doesn't support the military as well, they get a lot more people retiring and getting out. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's... And right uh, now... I mean, it's funny because when Obama was president, they had to, quote unquote, force people to volunteer to work on Obama's detail. When Trump became president, they had more volunteers than they could handle to work on his detail. So it just goes to show you, if they respect the man in charge, if they respect the commander in chief, the military guys are going to show you by their actions. They're going to do the best for their country if they think their country is doing the best for them. So right now with um, Dementia Joe Brandon in charge, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of guys volunteering to work on his detail or do things with him because he's just not – I don't think he's respectful, and I don't think they respect the man. So they're going to have to force people to volunteer to work on his details, (laughs) just like they did with Obama. I mean, it was funny because a friend was there. He says, you know, when Trump became president, they said the volunteer rate to work with him or work on his details skyrocketed. They couldn't handle all the applications they were getting. 
And with Obama, they couldn't get enough to keep it staffed. They had to force people to volunteer. Well, you know, it, it's it's like the military has at least wised up from what it was a number of years ago. And oh, that's, the that Clinton era? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. But it's become a business, and they realize that they have to compete with business. And... Uh, it's the training you get in the military and the opportunities that you have in the military are incredible. Yeah, and, it's probably uh, some of the best in the world, oh, without a doubt. No question. And uh, we urge everybody that's graduating from high school or college and haven't quite made up their mind, take a look at what you're interested in, and I'll guarantee you that some branch of the military – has your interests covered? Has an opportunity for you that you would like to take advantage of? Absolutely. Without and, a doubt. Uh, and then when you get out, you have something that 99% of the people don't have, and that's the fact that you served. You know how to give orders, you know how to take orders, and you're dependable. Keep in mind also, if you serve, I think, between four and six years, you get the GI Bill where they will pay for you to go to college when you get out. That's true, So if you can't afford to go to college, do a stint in the military, build up your your money for your GI Bill, then go to college when you get out, fully paid for by the U.S. US government. Or they'll pay for it while you're in. Yep, a lot of people do that, too. A friend of mine's son is in, and he's working in the nuclear program with the Navy, and he's getting very specific training and can take college courses along the way. Yep. So he might be able to get his college degree at the same time he's getting his military training. Um, my son uh, got his master's degree while he was yep, on active duty. And yep, so that's something to look into. If you, have, if you want a higher education and you can't afford it, that's one way to do it. By serving your country, they will help. Prov- you help provide protection for your country. They will help provide education and support for you. You know, the so, military is probably one of the best ways to get ahead without spending a lot of your own money. And uh, as my son and his wife have proven, see the world. And they yes, have. yes. <laughs> and uh, it's too. great. Uh, and, and I'm jealous, quite frankly. If uh, I had had the opportunities... Uh, or if it had been presented like it is today, there's no way that I wouldn't have stayed in. Uh, right. And that's, uh, and we're not recruiting for the military, but you know what? We need good people. We need good people in government too. People who understand the laws, understand the Constitution, and know that just because you're on private property doesn't mean you can restrict somebody's constitutional rights. But unfortunately, too many politicians take their jobs as being put on a pedestal and being worshipped and being above everyday citizens and as soon as they do that they should be kicked out you know that was going to be the next thing i mentioned not only the uh english being the national language but they should also have term limits on the federal congress and senate that would be that would do so much to eliminate these old people who are in there just burning the system up trying to get themselves an advantage and doing things for their own families' advantages and doing favors for people they know and getting kickbacks. It would stop so much of that if we changed out the guard every 8, 10, 12 years, whatever it is, have a congressperson serve, what, five terms, 10 years, have a senator serve two terms, 12 years, and that's it. Then you're done. You go home. You don't make a career out of being a politician, but unfortunately, we did not put term limits in the Constitution when when it should have been done. It's amazing how many have gone in poor and come out filthy rich. Almost all of them. 
If you look at the net worth of almost any congressman or senator, they have always gone up from what they started. Obama supposedly went into the White House poor. Now he's worth millions of dollars. And how about <laughs> AOC and her Teslas? Oh, yeah. Well, now she wants to sell her Tesla because Elon Musk bought Twitter. Yeah. Or he's trying to buy Twitter. Yeah, that's a whole nother story with that. But, yeah, she was never the brightest light in the harbor. But you know what? I blame the people who sent her there. Oh, they yeah. voted for her despite the fact, despite, in, in spite of her mental inabilities, they sent her to Congress to represent them. And she's vocal, she's loud, and she doesn't say anything usually worth listening to. But the fact that she gets the spotlight, gets the attention, is all those people in that district want. That's all you want is someone to be loudmouth and and speak all kinds of complete idiocracy, and you vote for that. So if you voted for her and you're unhappy, well, you know what? Hopefully you've seen the error of your ways and you're going to change it. But there's no telling. But it comes back to just what you were talking about earlier. You get what you pay for. That's right. (laughs) Quality is not something that you can't buy. You can buy quality in most cases. When it comes to politicians, it's the exact opposite. If they can't be bought, they're probably of better quality than the ones who can be bought. (laughs) The one place where money would not make as big a difference. But anyway, like I say, we talked about the mall shooting today a little bit, and I need to actually cover more of that. And last week I was talking about guns to have in your collection, and I think I got, I talked about handguns, I talked about shotguns, and I just started to get into the rifles when we ran out of time. I'm going to see if I can finish that up today a little bit. Because most people will look at rifles, and there's so many different styles and types, and the first thing you want to do is determine, what am I going to use this rifle for? Is this going to be a hunting rifle? Is it going to be a self-defense rifle? Is it going to serve multiple duties? Is it going to have to be something that I can use for everything? You want to get something as versatile as possible if that's the case. And most semi-automatic military-style rifles are probably some of the best when it comes to being versatile, especially with the variety of calibers that are available for most a lot of the semi-automatic rifles, like the AR-15 for instance, is available in dozens of different calibers. Some that are better for hunting, some that are better for self-defense, some that have a good balance of both. The AKs, the um, the more European, Eastern European style of military rifle and Asian style, these are chambered in a few less different varieties, but still has a very versatile bullet that has a lot of capability either for hunting, for self-defense, you know. And the thing about a rifle is why you want to get a rifle. You have your pistol for your basic short range, easy to maneuver, easy to handle inside urban environment. You have a shotgun, which depending on how it's set up, still limited to probably about 100 yards max Distance. I mean, much beyond that, you're kind of guessing. If you're going to shoot somebody beyond that distance, you're, it's not going to be as effective. It's not going to be as pinpoint. The accuracy is not there. But it is very effective at close range. The rifle, what that does is it extends your range of reach. It enables you to reach out and set up a barrier between you and a potential enemy that's much further away than you could with the same, with a pistol or a shotgun. It gives you that range that you don't have. Now, that's where you may want to decide, you know what? 
most semi-automatic rifles, and uh, there's a lot of discussion as to effective range. I know I think the military marks it out to like 600 yards effective range, which is probably a bit of a stretch for the standard military cartridge to be effective as far as you would have to be an exceptional marksman and have exceptional skill to be able to use it out to that distance in any kind of rifle. Some rifles easier than others. But still, it extends your range from potential 50 to 100 yards of a pistol or shotgun out to several hundred yards, probably beyond what you can see in most cases unless you're in in a place where you have vast areas of very flat land. And the semi-automatic rifle is probably a good beginning one because it gives you a lot of versatility with the caliber availability the ability to have higher capacities in case of a self-defense situation but then if you want to go beyond that say well i don't really live in an urban environment i want something a little less urban style so then you go to some of the bolt action rifles precision rifles as they're called now these are ones that are capable of going out over a thousand yards easily or more easily than your standard semi-automatic military rifles. Generally speaking, bolt-action rifles are more accurate than the semi-automatic counterparts. And I know there are people who say, oh, you can build a semi-automatic rifle to be as accurate. It's like, yes, but that's the exception rather than the rule. If you're going to spend that much money on a semi-automatic rifle to build it to the utmost accuracy, it's going to be a lot more expensive than buying a bolt-action rifle and a semi-automatic rifle You can have two rifles for the price of one if you're going to try and build one for a very specific cause. But that's that's getting into the additional gun on top of the three that we talked about. But these are just three guns that I think everybody should have would be a good self-defense handgun, a shotgun, and a rifle. And I think the pistol and the rifle would probably be the first two with the shotgun being the third one to add to that collection. Because a shotgun, despite its devastating close-range effectiveness does require a substantial amount of training to use it well. I know you see movies where the guy has the pistol grip pump action shotgun, he's blasting away, hitting everything in his path. And yeah, that's fine if you're less than 25 yards away and you can point and shoot and you can control the recoil of the most common cartridge being the 12-gauge. If you can control that recoil well, then it's an effective weapon. But the thing is, if you want the most effective range out of a shotgun, you want to have something with a stock on it, something you can put on your shoulder and get that third point of contact we talked about last week. Pistol has two points of contact, two hands. A rifle and a shotgun have three points of contact, two hands and a shoulder. That gives you steadier. It's like the difference between a tripod and a bipod. A bipod can pivot a full 360 degrees around an axis while a tripod can only rotate around it. It limits the axis to half a plane which gives you a lot more stability. You can do that with your fingers. Put two fingers down see how you can rock it back and forth. Put three fingers down and it's all of a sudden way more stable. And that's the idea behind three points of contact on a shotgun or a rifle. You have more control with your body. It has more stability and they have more range. All right, well, if you get out there and get a chance to go buy some guns, I encourage it, of course, all the time. If you're capable, if you're not a criminal, go out there and buy some weapons. You've been listening to Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B., and this is America's Web Radio. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.